0: Today on Follow Friday, we're going to talk about magic powers, train surfing, Chernobyl, singing skeletons, heffalumps and woozles, giving money away to strangers, and Jar Jar Binks. That's coming up in a minute with Freddie Wong. But first, a big thank you to John and Justin from Transistor.fm for backing Follow Friday on Patreon. Transistor is an independent podcast hosting company with a simple, modern interface for uploading audio, distributing your podcast, and viewing analytics. You can make as many podcasts on Transistor as you want for no extra cost, and you can invite additional users to access the show settings, upload episodes, view analytics, and more. Check them out at Transistor.fm. Also, please consider nominating Follow Friday for the 16th Annual Podcast Awards. Go to followfriday.net slash podcast awards, sign up, and nominate us in the technology category. You've got until July 31st to do this, and I would really appreciate your support. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Everyone
1: make a way. Show is a buffet of folks you should know hey. Let's have a soiree Well,
0: that's enough for a play So now right away With no further delay It's Father Friday It's Friday I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, a podcast about who you should follow online. Every week, I talk to creative people about who they follow and why. This is a guided tour to the best people on the internet, led by your favorite writers, podcasters, comedians, and more. If you like the show, please consider supporting it with a monthly donation of any amount at patreon.com slash followfriday. Today on the show is Freddie Wong, the co-founder of the Hollywood production company Rocket Jump, which made the award-winning web series Video Game High School, among many other things. Freddie is also the co-host of a podcast that I adore called Story Break, where he and his colleagues Matt Arnold and Will Campos try to outline a movie based on a ridiculous premise. You can find Freddie on Twitter and Instagram at F Wong, and he's also on TikTok and YouTube at Rocket Jump. Freddie, welcome to Follow Friday. Hello. Thank you so much for doing this.
1: Uh, yes. No, thank you for allowing me the space to point at some of my favorite
0: Internet things. Which is basically all I do these days. <laughs> I am looking forward to talking about your follow But before we do, I do want to talk about Story Break for a moment. Uh, currently, you and Matt and Will are trying to write a movie that, if it ever gets made, it's going to win all the Oscars. Uh, do, you, do you want to explain the, the, the premise of your current miniseries? We kind of have two modes on Story Break. The first mode is we come up
1: with a ridiculous idea. It could be anything. It could be something we hear on the news. It could be one week was, why did the chicken cross the road? And we try and envision what the feature film for that prompt
0: would be. Start to finish. Episode. Love that one.
1: One of my favorites as well. Uh, and the other mode is we take one of our ideas that has resonated particularly with our with our audience and we try and actually write that script one page at a time, scene by scene every week. And the most recent sort of iteration of this, we've been working on off of uh, a story off of our first episode, which was a Jar Jar Binks. A standalone star wars movie you know the much maligned character from episode one like what if he got the solo a star wars story treatment you know and uh that's that's what we've been trying to do is what is this the, what is the war story the jar jar standalone story and it's very ridiculous and it also allows us to you know play with some of the things within the star wars fandom that nobody's really thinking about nobody's talking about for example in this story, Jar Jar communes with Qui-Gon Jinn, the force ghost. And then you, so we realize if it's a spy movie and someone's a ghost, <laughs> what? there's no spy movie, you know, because they're a ghost. Right. They could just... Go there and figure out what it is. In fact, a ghost is the most powerful spy you could have on your team. It's almost an unfair advantage. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> trying to navigate those those plot details while trying to tell a fun Jar Jar Binks based
0: Star Wars uh, movie. I, I have to say, I've been, I've been riveted. I mean, your, your first draft isn't even done yet, and it's already better than most Star Wars movies. So you know, <laughs> careful. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. It'll never get it'll never get uh-huh. made, but it won't be made in your hearts our hearts that's the thing it's like and you also previously wrote another are you 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 drafted a, another kind of mini series called heaven heist which was maybe more likely to get made in the future maybe that we're actually exploring some
1: stuff with that one but uh that's that's one where It was just based on kind of my own cultural upbringing and going to visit, um, you know, my my ancestors and, you know, sort of spending time at their gravesites. One of the things that you do in in Chinese culture and some Asian cultures as well is you burn what's called Joss paper, which is a very materialistic envisioning of the afterlife because you need to burn these representations of money so that your ancestors will have that wealth, that money in the afterlife. And I always remember asking my mom, like, I mean, we're burning Grandpa like 10 billion, you know, (laughs) spirit bucks. Inflation must be rampant (laughs) in like... It's got to be like a Weimar like Republic hyperinflation scenario over there. If everyone's getting billions of dollars of cash, and my mom waved it off, of course. But that was always just something that was funny to me. So we decided to do a heist movie, a sort of supernatural heist movie about a group of criminals who flatline themselves to get into Asian heaven to convert and steal all the gold and money that we've been sending our ancestors. Called Heaven Heist. So that one's a, that was a very fun one and probably more plausible in comic
0: book and or movie form. Well, I am crossing my fingers for a future for both of these movies. But uh, let's move on and find out who Freddie Wong follows online. You can follow along with us today. Every person he recommends will be linked in the show notes and in the transcript at followfridaypodcast.com. It's Follow Friday! So, Freddie. Before the show, I gave you a list of categories, and I asked you to tell me four people you follow who fit in those categories. Your first pick is in the category someone you just started following, and you said the TikTok user. It's five fifty-seven a.m. This this person is fascinating. Yeah. Have you had a chance to look
1: at this? stuff? I have.
0: Yeah. For all these, I've I've looked up some of the videos. Let me just spell the, the name there for people who who uh, just heard it. Yeah. Oh, yeah On TikTok. Sorry, yeah. It's ITS. The number is five fifty-seven a.m. And yes, yeah, so I watched a few of their videos. Agree, they're fascinating. And I honestly don't know how to describe them. Do you want to take a stab at that?
1: Yeah, so let me preamble by saying that I believe I'm a huge fan of these new platforms and the art that can happen on them that is endemic and specific to the platforms. I'm not interested in a cooking show on YouTube. I'm interested in what is the cooking show that works on YouTube. And only on YouTube. And only on YouTube, right? And that kind of art, the art that is so married with the function and the form at which it is expressed is, I think, the most incredible stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I I gravitate towards the films that can only be films, right? These sort of visceral cinematic experiences that you don't get from reading a book that is incomparable to watching a play. And when it comes to online video and, and these sort of digital forms of art and media, I think that... We sleep on these new platforms and we write them off at our own risk because I think there's some genuinely fascinating explorations of, you know, the linear storytelling and filmmaking that that shows up and, and TikTok especially. And so I think TikTok is, I think, very well known, or, you know, originally for dance videos, and then it turned into, you know, uh, these, I think TikTok is where we see visual comedy and these sort of almost Edgar Wrightian uh, or even, even you know, silent film, Charlie Chaplin-esque kind of setups and punchlines and deliveries and these very cons- consolidated and concise jokes. And I think that the quality and rate of laughter you get browsing through TikTok is greater than any other medium, which is, you know, I think I, I've had some thoughts on this with regards to how that may have Affect how we think about comedy in general because without the trappings of a narrative structure that comedy often i think comedy films often feel like they need to do you get a different kind of thing and i what i what i was considering was like i think sometimes that the humor you get off just a laugh is is identical you know you may get some more depth from that laugh from a story or a narrative behind it but a hearty laugh is still a hearty laugh and not the same way as something like crying at something or some of these other emotions which i think a short form is not as well suited for you know and there's a reason why you know when we think about comedy we think of stand up comics and the delivery and setup and punchline of the concise sort of set and jokes but there's another world of tiktok too and this person you know it's it has really fascinated me because what they're doing it's a series of videos that is shot that are shot in their apartment and they appear to be floating, right? And they appear to, and then what they're pushing across, you know, the meta narrative of the comments and the responses to the videos is they have magic powers and they can float, <laughs> and they're doing these videos where it's like them, you know, just hanging out in their living room, and they're and, and the guy's like in a almost like a skydiver pose with his arms and legs off, and now like. Obviously, there's some apparatus, you know, that's in place here and, you know, it's a feat of physical strength and balance to sort of get the right angle. But they're doing things like, you know, very magician-esque where they're sweeping underneath them to show that there's no wires and they're taking objects and and passing them underneath their body to show in a very almost 19th century stage magician way and it's just these like strange late night videos where it's somebody and you see their feet and it's just somebody floating on the ceiling and they're up there and they're in their bathroom and walking up the mirror just very strange and it's the kind of thing that in that for me when I saw it Engendered this very curiosity, and what was fascinating about it was again this meta narrative. We don't have a conversation in film with the people who make the film; it is just the work and our and our experience with it. But this, but on TikTok and these social media platforms, there is a conversation. There's an implicit presence of the author. So the way that this person is talking to people, and people post a challenge, say, "Hey, I bet you can't do it like this," and they'll respond to it and show it and do it. It's fascinating. It's equal parts magic trick experimental cinema it's a conversation it's it's all of these things wrapped into one and that it's just something that really was interesting to me and it really caught my eye and it got me to really thinking about the ways in which people use tiktok That go beyond even YouTube, that go beyond
0: even Instagram video, and that go beyond cinema itself. Yeah, well, elaborating on your point you were saying earlier is like, for the most part, if you go to see a movie, I mean, I guess there's still some old theaters that do double features and stuff, but for the most part, a lot of art is kind of enjoyed in its own vacuum its own space but on tiktok and other social media right you're seeing all this stuff back to back to back where tiktok you open it and it's just one video after the next after the next and so you might see 10 different more conventional dancing videos where it's just someone doing a, a, a weird new dance to to a hit song and then suddenly you get this guy who's floating in the air or there's others where it's the editing is really glitchy where it sort of seems like he's Teleporting around the room—it's—it's—it's it's, it's really hard to explain without seeing it. But I do think like the the context of TikTok makes a big difference as to you know why this is so interesting to look at.
1: Yeah, it's all—it's all stuff. I'm I'm watching some of these right now to just sort of remind myself. There's one here where he appears to be floating in front of his refrigerator and he's pouring milk on himself. To me, it's the same level of interesting of like, you know, sort of Dadaist art or like this, or even like this performance, almost Charlie Kaufman-esque kind of like spectacle that in the context of the understanding, because again, inherent in TikTok is the understanding that for the most part, these are all videos filmed on someone's phone. right? And we're all familiar with that tool set and the limitations inherent in a phone. You could write an academic thesis on the aesthetic quality of vertical phone video, it Mm -hmm. in itself, implying a degree of veracity for what you're looking at, which nobody like, right. Like nobody thinks about like, we all know how our phone camera works. And by knowing the limitations of the tools that we know that these people are using, that space creates mystery because you're you're looking at this image and you know how it's captured, but you can't figure out how it, Exists on your on someone's phone. This is what this guy does. I think so well.
0: Yeah, it's it's like a magician would say, like, look at this—an ordinary deck of cards or an ordinary top power, whatever. The this creator, it's 5:57 a.m. They don't need to show you anything in advance because we already know what our cameras look like, how our cameras work. So, the, so then that they can just go straight into breaking the rules, being weird. I, I think I think it's this is such a great recommendation. It's it's such it's such an unusual and I, I think at, to your earlier point such a TikTok-specific creative exercise that I really, really love this.
1: It's 5.57 a.m. Yeah, just it's late night. Just get into yeah. it. Just get <laughs> it out
0: and follow that thread. I think it's important to do that. That was the TikTok user. It's 5.57 a.m. It's Follow Friday. Freddie, let's move on to your next follow. I asked you for someone who inspires you, and you said the YouTube user Shy, I think I'm pronouncing that right, which is spelled S-H-I-E-Y. Shay, Shy. Shy. I don't know, actually. One of those. This is a train
1: surfer, an
0: urban explorer
1: train surfer. And when we think about train surfing, you know, I think there's an image of the American West and the depression and hobos on open box cars. But the reality of it is I, I like I cannot look away from this stuff. And I think that this is one of the most interesting and dynamic YouTube creators right now. And what he is, is he is a person who travels and explores these countries on foot and train surf. So he will, you know, he will show up somewhere and they'll they'll find a train yard. They'll they'll have spotted an area. Sometimes he's with a few people, sometimes just by himself outside a train yard. And they wait for trains that they can Run up to as they're going and hide under, and they'll cross borders. They'll cross into different countries, and there's two things that well, there's a lot of things that this person's doing that I think is just like completely incredible. Number one, the narrative of these often you know hour long, two hour videos is told in this very linear. He has a GoPro on a stick. He has a GoPro on his head. You just play through it, and then there'll be a cut, and then we'll be somewhere a little bit further in the future. So. It's a travelogue that is stripped away all of the pretense and bullshit around YouTube travel logs and and (laughs) online video travel logs. And there's two things that he does. One, he rarely points the camera at himself. And when he does, he's wearing a mask. And he was even wearing a mask before all the COVID stuff because what he's doing is illegal and because he needs to make sure and because he knows that there's an audience here, he needs to hide his identity. So right away, like when I look at travel logs, I'm reminded by, I, I need to find the person who said this, but there was a Japanese filmmaker who basically talked about how terrible Life would be if our eyes were in our hands because we would be forced to look at ourselves all the time. And I think about that quote like constantly in this world where our eyes are in our hands, right? Like the way that we see the world is through back at ourselves and there's an inherent narcissism and there's an inherent like selfishness to that point of view and it elevates you know you yourself as the subject and when i see his videos here like people who want to get into it i highly recommend you know he his anything from his illegal freedom series anything where he's he has a number where he walks into chernobyl and spends time in pripyat and they they you know they sleep in the abandoned office buildings and apartment complexes that are still there and are evading the tourists that show up because they know that the tourists bring security guards and the security guards will kick them out and like it it gives a perspective of travel that I've never seen before and also you know he they'll occasionally get like a a room or something like that but he has a he, he essentially hammock camps and he will you know once they get somewhere it's late he'll go off the road find somewhere to tie up onto a tree and sleep for however much he can often in freezing environments but There's a sort of like veracity in these videos that you cannot find anywhere else. And like the most recent one, he went across Bosnia, uh, Herzegovina, and like, there's this little thread of narrative where they you know he's 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 waiting for a, a train and he, they're they're waiting and he finds there's a little stray puppy and he starts to feed this hmm. puppy but he also was like I you know I'm I'm going to keep moving I can't bring this puppy right. with me but I'll bring him some food and then he finds a sick one and then there's this interaction there where they've had this he finds a sick puppy and he doesn't know what to do with it on one hand, you know, there's this tension of like he's this traveler who almost like, you know, the way he moves through this world is almost like invisible. It's a very light touch. You know, he camps, he he sets up a hammock on a tree and then, you know, sort of is, is on and he uh, inhabits these abandoned spaces. So it's a very light touch. But then there's this animal in need who's sick and is is dying, so then they find a you know just someone in the middle of of nowhere to hand it off, and there's this interaction that I keep going back to where he talks to this farmer, and the person says, "No, no, no, take this person away, take this, take this away," and he's like, "No, this it's sick though," and he holds a puppy up, and the guy's face is blurred out because he's protecting the name, but the guy like walks up to the box and he looks at it, and he's like, "All right," and he weighs him in, and it's just like that's like such an authentic sort of moment where two strangers came together and they understand that this animal is sick and they're going to take care of it. And it's just like, I'm like there's no, there's nothing like this right now. And you have this incredible perspective, this on the ground perspective through these European countries, just absolutely beautiful that from, from these, from these trains, it's breathtaking. I think it's the best form of travel I think it's honest travelogue in a way that is just fascinating. And, Yeah, I
0: think he's one of the greatest right now. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned that his um, main series of these trips is called "Illegal Freedom," Um, and so I'm I'm wondering, without putting yourself any in any legal jeopardy, have you ever done anything like this?
1: I've done my fair share of like urban exploring and messing around, but watching this and being like, I yeah, like I literally like I I I started to like look at train yards differently. I started to think about like, okay, if I could, I hop on this one, and it's like, I it's 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 this feeling of there's this entire world and knowledge set that is not available to me That's that I don't interact with. That And I know that the way into this is you need to find someone to like, you know, sort of shepherd you into it and Sherpa mm-hmm. you and guide you a little bit. You, it's a very much a journeyman apprentice kind of thing it feels like. And it's this whole universe of seeing the world and travel that I want to do. Like, I really desperately want to do it. And then at the same time, you see a video where, you know, they got into Germany and they get seen and the entire video is them running from the border police and hiding in the woods as helicopters search for them. It's like, ah, man, it's, I don't know, it's just incredible. It's something I want to do more. (laughs) But also it's like, as I get older, I feel like my physical limitations, you know, you're just like, oh, man but at the same time it's like ah, maybe this is the only way I could vicariously enjoy this I also have a crippling fear of heights too so it like, be not help issue. because this guy will get up on he, every time he sees something tall he has to get up on top of it and you're brought along with that um, highly highly recommend this stuff just truly just incredible filmmaking
0: when I was watching some of his videos I was, th- I was thinking like there's a whole genre of like stealth video games where you're trying to avoid being seen but the thing is that a lot of times it's like you're a spy and you're trying to avoid there's like dozens of security guards and it's more about an enclosed indoor space and so i think it'd be fascinating if there were something like this where it's you know a way of simulating evasion in outdoor spaces Yeah. yeah and it's like you just have to get around yeah and you know and i think that also just this style
1: of travel too where it's like We've all gone on vacations or gone to things where there's someone in our group who's like the itinerary person, right? You know, it's like, okay, we're gonna, everyone's got me for dinner at six. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go, you know, we're gonna go to this restaurant, blah, blah, blah. It's all organized and laid out. Oh, that is me. <laughs> yeah, so there's, so that's right. Like, so that's one style of travel. but And this style is one, I just like, it blows my mind. The idea of like, all right, I'm gonna be here in Croatia. I'm gonna be here in Ukraine. And I'm just gonna try and get from point A to point B and today i'm just waiting for the train to take me there and it might not come today and i need to you know go camp tonight but that's it and there's and he talks about and you get this sense of like this sort of wanderlust and this idea of just like walking through and letting things happen and when they do happen they happen and there's no it's so in the moment. It's so like, I need to get here and this is the next decision I'm making. And then he talks, and in one of his videos, he he's going through Europe, he, they take a break and, you know, he's like at a beach and he starts of swimming around. And he talks about how it's like the feeling of being in danger, which is how he is the entire time when you're on a train, when you're camping, you don't know what's around you. You need that in order for this moment. And it's him just in a paddle boat in a little touristy spot in Italy for this moment to have so much more depth, the calm and the safety you feel right. here is so much more palpable. And it really struck me because it's like, yeah, I think that there's we'd never put ourselves in that kind of almost animalistic fear, especially in our in a, you know in a comfortable life. You know, there's not a lot of situations where you find yourself where it's like where I'm sleeping tonight feels dangerous. Mm. This idea of like I don't I can't see this world around me, but I need sleep in my body. It's this very primal sort of sort of thing and we just don't encounter that I think in modern life as much as we did you know and, and and to put yourself in that I think is fascinating definitely
0: well that was the YouTube user Shy or maybe Shay which is spelled S-H-I-E-Y we're gonna take a quick break now but we'll be back in a minute with Freddie Wong Today's show is brought to you by The Edit from Timber. If you or your business does anything in podcasting, you should check it out. For 20 bucks a month, you get access to a special area of Timber's Discord server, and every month you can ask for feedback on up to an hour of podcast audio. That feedback comes from four podcasting experts, Shruti Ravindran, the former producer of Science Versus, Sky Pillsbury from Hot Pod, Jenna Spinell from Penn State University, and me, Eric Johnson, from the show you're listening to right now, Follow Friday. We'll give you notes on how your podcast sounds, where listeners might drop off, the story, the format, the writing, and more. And because this is a private group with a small cohort, you can rest easy sharing anything you've already published or a draft of something you're still working on. Either way, no worries. Sign up today for just $20 a month at followfriday.net slash timber. That's followfriday.net slash T-I-M-B-E-R. It's for Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday, Freddie. I asked you to tell me about someone you're jealous of, and you said Ian Worthington, who is on YouTube at Worth the Kids, and that is spelled W O R T H I K I D S. He's also on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. Add that username, Worth the Kids. worthy the Kids. Oh. Yeah, he's an animator, and it looks like he's done a, a mixture of sort of one-off shorts, and is also working on a series about a food truck called Big Top Burger. Can you explain sort of what what he does and what you like about it? So,
1: worthy kids is Ian is I think when again when I speak about genre and I speak about platform and the, the uh, things that you can explore from a filmmaking animation standpoint. I think the most interesting dynamic animator on online right now, and he's. He's doing a mixture of you know 2D animation, hand-drawn, and then also more recently with these sort of two videos that I think, I think the best video of last year, this year, uh, dried up old bones, which is, I think, a perfect internet video, which is- Ooh, I haven't seen this one. Could you describe it? He's using Blender. He's using 3D tools to make it look like claymation stop motion. And he's putting a, it, it just, it yeah. looks like a film you might've watched in school or something, you know, and it's- absolutely visually aesthetically perfect and he and dried up old bones is one of the, where the song it's this basically this little music video of a of a skeleton in the desert you know sort of singing a little dirge for himself and seeing seeing the buzzards and the bugs gather around him as he knows he's about to die you you watch this and you'd be like i swear this is a film from the 70s from an old western song and it's not it's a film from December last year and the song was written by another YouTube user huh. some guy on the YouTube channel who just puts his stuff up
0: there's a big hairy spider he wants me to smile so I will he's dancing on a rock cause it's too hot for him to stand still and look at those vultures they have all activity gathering around just to have their next meal
1: here with me everything about it feels and has this aesthetic texture to it that i've never seen in cg before it has this like Handmade, very organic feeling, sort of aesthetic that is so hard to achieve. I think with with digital tools, and the fact that he's doing this, and his shit is just so funny too. And he's doing this, and his timing and his posing with his with his 2D stuff, and all of his, like it, it's it's a command of both humor and expression and uh cinematic sort of storytelling and then textural sim- uh, storytelling it, there's one we did with uh, justin mcelroy called free apple which looks like a cutscene from a you know 80s sierra point and click adventure game <laughs> just everything is is i'm just always blown away every time every time uh he uploads so hard hard recommend all the stuff oh my god
0: he said you're jealous of him have you done much animation in this style I, the thing that i the reason why i'm jealous of him is because i've you know i'm a more
1: traditional filmmaker by by uh by my hand you know it's its cameras its its actors and all that and i think i've spent maybe my whole life looking at animation jealous of the control and the exaggeration that you can achieve with it that still feels like it's within the bounds of the form is that you're able to do these very exaggerated things. You know, some of the, my favorite animes are ones that do that take animation and push it to the absolute visual and aesthetic limits. I'm always jealous of that, that skill set. And, and something that, like, I definitely feel like in another life, if I was, you know, better at drawing and spent more time indoors and was less social in terms of, like, m- making friends who also wanted to make movies with me in high school, I would be doing animation, you know? And so, yeah, that, that's that's a big reason for it.
0: <laughs> I was watching some of Ian's uh, videos from, from Big Top Burger, from the series that he's working on, and my immediate comparison point was justin roiland's work uh, like rick and morty other shows like that yeah 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 yeah. And, and then also but it's just such
1: a more refined artistic style too you know and it's like there's a rhythm and a humor that you can establish in animation that can be only found in animation and i think you know i think xylophone which is just two guys in a band who like put um they're just stressing out behind backstage because there's a bunch of skeletons in the audience, and they put xylophones in their last album, and that of course, skeletons like xylophones, and that's why and they're like, "Oh we can't play for all these skeletons just silly, ridiculous concepts that are just so funny
0: when you said that you were you know envious of of animator many animators when you, when you were growing up i mean, is there a specific style in your mind that really left an impression on you from from a young age you know when when you were starting to appreciate i mean i guess you mentioned anime that really pushes the the boundaries
1: yeah yeah anime pushed it a lot you know i was a as a kid i was just like my parents tell me i was obsessed with like the old winnie the pooh and like the 2d western style sort of stuff like apparently my mom would be able to just like like she would go grocery shopping like for an hour and a half and she just like just put the tape on he's not (laughs) fucking moving anywhere he's just sitting there the whole time he's fine and so i'm like all right yeah just didn't even a babysitter. just had winnie the pooh and my legos yeah. you know um so just i feel like it's very deep you know i have these like very deep sense memories of like the the huff the, was it the huffleups yeah, episode huffleup's the, the, pooh, the, yeah. the sound the music and also yeah just very somewhere in the back of my head
0: just formative in that way just yeah i have that kicking around well that was Ian Worthington who's on YouTube at Were the Kids. It's
1: final Friday.
0: We have time for one more follow today. Freddie, I asked you for someone who has stopped posting but needs to come back. And you said Mr. Chai City Three, who was on YouTube at M-R-C-H-I-C-I-T-Y, and then the number three. In your email, you described mister Chai Chi-City Three as an original YouTube guy. Explain what you meant by that. So w- you can look at the history of YouTube. As this almost a uh, uh,
1: generational thing, you know. The early there was you know sort of these waves of creators who came in, and Mr. Shy City was one of the early, early, early ones who who was. I, I believe anybody who was doing YouTube before there was clear monetization in place, I think, are incredible accounts, and and because I think that the moment the promise. And in a lot of ways, the possibility of being able to make money on YouTube, I think forever altered the trajectory of the content that got put on there. Now, there's always been this, you know, I think inherent in the Internet is this gamesmanship of of eyeballs, this idea of. Whatever you're doing, you're trying to get people to see it. There's a sort of very, you know, kid in a crowded lunchroom holding their hand up, trying to get attention quality. That's always been there, regardless of money. The injection of money into it, into these spaces, changes that, I think, in a way that creates art that is simultaneously about attracting eyeballs, but also about turning a profit and about manipulating the algorithmic structures in place to be able to maximize profit. And again, there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with any of that. I just think it just changes what the art is, and I think Mr. Shy City is an example of this, you know, because I think YouTube now has become an in, indelibly a form that is about money right. and is about the ability. You know, I, the way that I've always felt felt that is that when we started on YouTube back in 2010 we were very scared to put on advertising on our videos. We remember that, you know, Brandon and myself, my partner at the time who we were working on YouTube videos with, we remember seeing Smosh in Rabel pre-rolls and everybody in their comments was like, you, you guys are fucking sellouts. I can't believe it. And they were the, just, just for a pre-roll ad. And what changed was, and I remember very distinctly this, such a, difference in attitude because back then we were scared all of us we were scared of putting on ads and we were letting smosh kind of take the heat and then we would kind of try it out and just be very careful of that and now the controversy around youtube is that they don't put ads (laughs) on things right like people are emailing and saying on twitter that i can't believe youtube is not putting ads on my video so to go from i'm terrified of putting advertising on my video to it's a problem when you don't put advertising on my video It's such a fundamental shift in the way people on that platform approach what they're doing you know i by the way and and just as as i mentioned there was like worthy kids and shy those are two people who also are like you know like shy's not cutting in the middle of his Mm -hmm. thing to talk about ads they're approaching it as an in just the in my opinion the purer form which is doing something worthwhile to watch and mr shy city was that as well and there's so many things that mr shy city did that became YouTube things later, and the fact that he was there first and was getting visibility first, he was probably most well known for a video, a vlog style video where he talked about keeping your refrigerator stocked with all the different types of. Yeah, I saw this one of different types of drinks and and the a variety of you know things that you must offer, but then also this insight, you get this window into this person's life because they also are very proud of their fine Italian tile that they just got <laughs> in their kitchen and stuff, and it's this composite image of this character taken through this that the. the way just showing off their fridge that I'm like is masterful oh yeah one more thing to the makers of Kool-Aid would you n- to stop putting the juice all the way to the top because when I twist the motherfucking cap
0: I, I put it the shit explodes like a goddamn grenade then I got blue juice all over my white carpet look man I appreciate you trying to give me as much juice for the value but look put the juice look, so look at this shit. see now the juice is all at the top you see put the juice down here so when I open it it don't spill everywhere okay Trust me, I ain't gonna miss it. You know these motherfuckers cost like five for a
1: dollar. Okay, thank you. But he was doing things just like he was talking about the problem of monetization in YouTube a decade before anybody was even dealing with this. In two thousand, I just I checked this. I tweeted about this. In two thousand eight, he did a Christmas giveaway where he walked around with you know his his, his with money. You don't know where he got it. And He was just giving it away to people and just getting them on camera and just on Christmas. There's strangers on the street, yeah. <laughs> Which is. The formula of Mr. Beast, but Mr. Beast did it ten years later. Yeah. So that th- so this guy in this time, this pre-protozoic YouTube period was doing the same format that would then launch another creator to, you know, unparalleled heights of fame and 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 money
0: that he was doing this first. Uh is incredible to me. But he was doing it in a time when the algorithm wasn't quite, or when when the monetization wasn't the same, and so he didn't necessarily achieve the same escape velocity that Mr. Beast did. So that him getting a bunch of views on the video,
1: you didn't look at that and say, well, that's how he's paying for it. He's just taking these persons, people. There was no exploitation there. I'm not saying what Mr. Beast is doing is exploitation, but I'm saying that this feeling... Of, like, oh, there's a quid pro quo that I'm watching, which colors Mm -hmm. these videos, which is I watch it and I'm like, well, how's he able to afford that? We're like, well, but he's got a sponsor and he's doing X, Y, and Z. And that's a reality of the situation. But with Mr. Shai City, the question was like, it wasn't that. The question was, what is he getting out of this? You're like, and he was, was self evident in the content of the video and you're seeing the people's reactions to it and you weren't asking yourself, Oh, and you weren't telling yourself, oh, he's just paying for this from ads from his video, right? It's so different and such a different way of looking at an online video that we've forgotten. I think that money and, and profitability in YouTube is so endemic to it that it becomes impossible to remember a time and what the world looked like when it wasn't a part of this equation. And I think that he's this window into that. And, you know, he's, he's still he, he, he came back on Twitter and he's posting his, you know, 2K highlights and stuff, which are, of course, always entertaining because 2K is hilarious. But uh, again, like that, that, it's this holdover. And I think it's a time and an era that, you know, we'll not be going back to. I think that to an extent, TikTok has that. In that there's no clear direct monetization strategy for a lot of TikTok stuff, but at the same time, we're in an environment where to create things online is to also engender an expectation of money, and to put the and to bring that question of money into the equation, no matter what you do, whether, whether you're a freelance writer or a journalist or a, a you know video creator or an illustrator. Money is as part of the creation and the ecosystem, and I think that that tension of what does money mean here showed up this at the beginning of this year with NFTs and the way that I think a lot of people looked at that and were dismissive of the underlying thing that NFTs represented, you know. And I think that that, to me, I only read that as. This is the state of the general public and our feelings towards our digital entertainment, which is, you know, I think that it is is implicit and implied and where the money comes from should not come from ownership, but some other
0: means, some sort of nebulous other means, which I don't have time to think about, but I just want to enjoy this thing. I remember back in like, I think this is like 2008, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, this was... After video game high school had started, maybe oh, we started video game high school in 2011. 2011, okay, about four years before that. Okay, yeah. So, so 2008, I want to say was when Doctor Horrible's Sing Along Blog came around. Like that was like this, you know, web series with like actual actors and an actual budget, and it was. I remember it, it was it, like it. It seems like such a distant time ago, the idea that people are making video for the Internet and it's an actual series with, you know, yeah. script writers and with money involved. You know, but this was this is around the time that Mr. Shy City is making most of his videos is you know 2008, 2009. So just a completely different era of the Internet.
1: Yeah. And. The thing, there's something that struck me the other day, which I've been thinking about. People were talking, I was, on, I was on Reddit, people were talking about 9-11, and people were talking about where they were. And this one user posted this story about how they heard about it when they woke up, and their mom, and then they tuned into it on their TV and the news, and you know, they were you know adjusting the antenna for the signal. And another user made this observation, which is, it's crazy that this story sounds like it's from the 50s. Like the way you're describing it feels like it's in the 50s. How terrifying is it to realize that the way that we interfaced with information just 20 years ago is so unrecognizable to our present selves that it might as well have been half a century earlier. Yeah. That might as well have been almost 70 years ago. That speaks to me, I think, to the pace, the dizzying pace that of how that has changed and how the way we interface with the world has changed. And I'm reading a lot right now about the 19th century, the um, you know, sort of America- Pre-Civil War during this during you know sort of this this run-up, the sort of Jacksonian Whigs, you know, sort of years. And this is the same time when the newspaper, you know, shows up. And at first that that too represented this shift because prior to this, our understanding of the wider world was simply through our local interactions right and that anything you would hear about happening across the Atlantic or whatever gets only the biggest most salient pieces get filtered down to the local level and the newspaper changed that and how for the longest time people were just they're not quite sure what to do with all of this it's like what am I supposed to do with this information I know now about those the market in New York I live you know out in the, uh, on a homestead somewhere now I know about what's happening in Europe what am I supposed to do with this <laughs> I think it's the same thing now but just more so, right, it's like, I remember showing my mom an article, this was a couple of years ago, I think it was in Bangladesh, the student protests and how the government was cracking down on it and there was a death and there was a whole thing. And my mom was like, well, but like, what am I supposed to do with this information? Mm -hmm. Prior to this, even with the world of newspapers, we would have gotten just the high-level summary of this. But now I know, I saw the video, that someone got run over 5,000 miles away from where I'm sitting and I don't. Sometimes I don't think our brains are equipped to be able to deal with this much information, this much visibility, this much real-time understanding of the world around us without going just a like, little bit mad, you know. And I think that that's uh, the consequence of of our current informational era. And it's I think it's always important. I think to just sort of slow down and not uh, and recognize that even the world, even what we're seeing through our eyes, is Totally, totally unprecedented, the level, the volume of which, the speed at which we're consuming things and understanding and processing the world around us, you know. It's we've never been in a position like this, and I think that that is the struggle of the moment.
0: Yeah, I was I went to journalism school some years back, and they when they were telling us about newsworthiness, one of the criteria that they taught us about was you know information that the audience can act upon, right? So it's you know um, they can vote differently, they can spend their money differently, or anything like that. But the world is so interconnected, is so quickly connected that to, to your- do
1: you believe at in this moment there is any inform like what is the how much what percentage in a day on a day-to-day basis do you think is information you can act upon at this
0: vanishingly small
1: like nothing (laughs) there's nothing that we're that we're getting that like right like i'm just looking right now at just what's trending right now and it's just like okay delta variant okay i get i guess there's i guess i'll reconsider how i do masks but then everything else is just like this popular tourist spot in china is fake
0: Who cares
1: (laughs) What does What meaning does this have For me at all Anywhere Like it's there's so much stuff that, yeah, there's just so much stuff. Someone else, some random person I'm following is, ah, it's their birthday today. I don't really even know them in real life, but I do know that they were born today at some point. Who cares? <laughs> you
0: can act on that. You can wish them happy birthday. Check check, check the
1: box. <laughs> but is that all of our information now? It's just yeah, box exactly. checking and, you know, it's, it's just route Anyway.
0: Well, anyway, let's let's we can go back to a to a, a simpler, calmer era of the internet. Uh, Mr. Shy City 3 on YouTube. No, no, that that, that Pandora's box is wide wide open. <laughs> We're never going back. we can back. pretend but sometimes to go back. You can find the artifacts. Yeah, we, we can pretend. You can find the artifacts and take a break. If you want to hear another follow recommendation from Freddy, you can get it by supporting Follow Friday on Patreon starting at just $1. If you go to patreon.com slash Follow Friday and back us there, you'll get a bonus mini-sode later today. Big thank you to our amazing patrons for helping us make the show. Freddie, thank you so much for sharing your follows with us today. Before we go, let's make sure listeners know how to find you and everything you're working on online. Where do you want people to follow you?
1: Yeah, I'm F. Wong on Twitter. Prove to you, I've been on there since the jump, that five-letter username, (laughs) and uh, you can find me on my podcast Story Break and Dungeons and Daddies, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast.
0: Yeah, I I actually uh, should confess I haven't listened to Dungeons and Daddies myself. What's the the brief uh, synopsis of... uh, There's lots of Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Daddies is about four regular dads from the world that we know and love
1: who get sucked into the world of fantasy that Dungeons and Dragons is in because they lose their kids on the way to a soccer game and they need (laughs) to get their kids back so the very and we don't really uh, one thing I want to always emphasize is that one it's not a BDSM podcast despite the title <laughs> and two we are not huge Dungeons and Dragons nerds we are very very light on the rules if you know that Dungeons and Dragons involves rolling a dice and that dice has an outcome on decisions you know everything you need to know to watch and, or to listen to this show
0: okay so I have never played D&D but that, that is I have that beer minimum I've cleared the bar of information I need to know to you're listen good. to Dungeons and dragons you're good
1: give it a shot give it a shot I I'm very proud of this show. So give it a shot. Let me know what you think.
0: Will do. Well, follow me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ and this show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at FollowFridayPod. Follow Friday's theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodi Hermawan. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. See you next Friday. One more time, don't forget to nominate us for the 16th Annual Podcast Awards. When you go to followfriday.net slash podcast awards, you'll be asked to make an account with just really basic info, your name, your email, and the name of a podcaster who has influenced you. After that, just find the technology category, select Follow Friday from the list of options, and click Save Nominations. One more time, that's followfriday.net slash podcast awards. Please consider nominating us in the technology category. The deadline to do so is July 31st. Thank you.